After the end of World War II, the German capital of Berlin was divided into two cities, East and West Berlin. And the divide between the two cities, it was not just geographic, it was also religious and political. On the western side, the residents of West Berlin enjoyed far more freedoms than their folks on the eastern side of the wall. On the eastern side, it was largely atheist, the communist government of the German Democratic Republic, known as East Germany. They tightly controlled their citizens' daily lives. They officially rejected belief in God. They restricted being able to practice anyone's faith. And in 1965, these East German communists, they commissioned the construction of a 1,207 feet tall tower called the Fanseturm. That's probably a terrible German pronunciation, but it's the Berlin Television Tower. It was completed in 1969, just four years later. And if you Google it, its architecture is beautiful. It's a giant sphere covered with 140 stainless steel panels. It was intended to commemorate the Soviet Sputnik one satellite, which the East Germans saw as a way of demonstrating their technological superiority over the Western world. And soon after the tower was completed, they realized, oh no, we've, we've made a mistake. They discovered what they viewed as a very embarrassing flaw in the tower's design. Whenever sunlight hit that sphere and reflected on that stainless steel sphere, it reflects the image of a cross. Now the communists had out of hand, clearly rejected the very idea of God. And yet every time the rays of the rising sun struck the term, it showed the symbol, the enduring symbol of Christianity all across East Berlin. They could look up at the tower and see the cross. The residents of West Berlin saw this, realized its irony, and began to refer to it as the Pope's Revenge. And in 1987, when President Ronald Reagan made his speech to Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev. He told him to tear down the Berlin Wall. Reagan noted that East German officials had repeatedly treated the sphere. They tried everything. They tried paints and chemicals of every kind to try to keep the symbol of the cross, the symbol of Christianity, from shining all throughout their city. And yet, even today, when the sun strikes that sphere, the sphere that towers over all Berlin still shows the sign of a cross. There in Berlin, Reagan said, like the city itself, symbols of worship cannot be suppressed. Those atheistic, communistic East German leaders discovered you can reject Jesus and you can reject his cross, but you cannot silence his message. It will be seen and it will be heard. And we're going to hear much more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast. Brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion podcast. Today's episode stems from a lesson entitled, Not Stopped by Rejection, and it's dated February 13th, 2022. If you've got your companion student guide, feel free to turn there. If you don't, if you just have your Bible or you just want to listen, I want to read to you out of the book of Luke chapter 4. This is the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, verses 18 through 19. If you're familiar with scripture, you may be familiar with this verse. 
Jesus had just come home to his hometown of Nazareth, walked into the synagogue, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, and Jesus read from Isaiah what we know as chapter 61, which is recorded in Luke chapter 4. And don't worry, there's not going to be a quiz. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus Christ had come home. Nazareth was where he grew up. He went to high school in Nazareth. He delivered the Nazareth Gazette on the weekends. Jesus was from Nazareth, and he came home to Nazareth, went into the synagogue. Coming home is wonderful. It's good to catch up with old friends and hear what's been happening with classmates and co-workers from way back when. And Jesus, he did the same. He went to his hometown. He went into the synagogue, as was his custom, on the Sabbath day. And maybe that was the synagogue where he worshipped as a child. I wonder if it was the same phenomenon for Jesus where he walks in the synagogue and says, wow, this place is smaller than I remember. (laughs) The people who attended there, they knew who Jesus was. They knew his parents. They even remarked later, wait a minute, isn't that Joseph's boy? Now he was growing, however, in status as a popular prophet. And you would expect Jesus, because he was growing in popularity as a prophet, to be welcomed, warmly welcomed. Maybe they would put a city limit sign up that read, Welcome to Nazareth, hometown of Jesus. But by the time he was finished in their synagogue, their mood had soured. They accepted him as the son of Joseph and Mary. That was fine, but they would not accept him as the son of God. By the end of the day, they were so filled with wrath, they pushed Jesus to a cliff and would have thrown him down. Sometimes the people we love the most, they won't accept our decision to follow the call of God in our life. The call of God, His Spirit within us, sometimes that means having to forego acceptance from other people, even those closest to us, family and friends. They may not realize or recognize what God is doing in our lives. Maybe they remember the worst in us, the times we made decisions, not the very best. And yet, God has dealt with us and he has transformed us and is transforming us. Why do you think that happens? Why is it so difficult for friends and family members to recognize the hand of God at work in our lives, especially if they know us fairly well? Well, here's another question. Have you ever gone to a franchise restaurant somewhere far away and every time you visited that city, you had to stop there? For me, when I go to St. Louis, Missouri, I love Emos. And I know Emos is either love it or hate it. There's very little middle ground, but I love Emos. So the first time I go, that's where I go. And I know we're not going to get an Emos in Mount Vernon because St. Louis style pizza is not exactly popular in these here parts. However, I would love a Raising Cane's in Mount Vernon. If you're listening out there in podcast land, Raising Cane's, please come to Mount Vernon. I promise you, you're going to do just fine. You're going to do better than fine. And for all my Mount Vernon folks, I think we should begin to pray Raising Cane's comes here nigh our city. But there is a phenomenon. Even if your favorite restaurant comes to your city and you finally have one five minutes from your door, eventually something strange will happen. You will start to realize there are a few things on the menu you just don't really care for. Maybe the service is not as good as you remembered or the food doesn't taste as tasty as you remembered. In the most extreme places, the things we used to love and adore could be things we start to despise. We must be, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, on guard 
against becoming desensitized to the leading of God's Spirit. The Apostle John warned the members of the church of Laodicea that you've become comfortable, but you didn't realize. You thought you had it all, but really you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's a bad place to be. And the Spirit challenged them to anoint their eyes with eye salve that they might see. In other words, you think you have everything, but you don't. You need to see yourself as I see you. And if you do, that will lead you to repentance. The longer we walk with God, we must be on guard against the tendency to take him for granted. Let's be familiar with his word, but never so familiar that we take it for granted or become cavalier or just casual with it. God's word, God's ways, they are awesome. They are wonderful. They're amazing. And we never want to lose that amazement when we consider who he is and what he's done. How can familiarity rob us of the feeling of sacredness and holiness? Now, God made several promises to several groups of people. His promises are not just for a select few, not just for Jews, not just for Gentiles, not just for those in between. They're for everybody. And this was a difficult lesson for Israel to learn, and it's difficult for us. We're comfortable believing God loves people who are just like us, who share our culture, share our ideals, share our values, but it can be a little more difficult to believe God loves people who don't look like us, talk like us, think like us, dress like us, walk like us, act like us, are like us. And this can cause us to miss the work God wants to do in us and through us, especially for those who don't look like, dress like, talk like, act like, walk like us. So when Jesus goes to his synagogue in Nazareth, and he takes the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, concerning this messianic prophecy, this day is the prophecy fulfilled in your ears. The scripture says they wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Their attitude changed when he reminded them of a moment in Elijah's life when God sent the prophet Elijah to minister to a widow in Zarephath during a famine. And she was not a Jew. She was not a member of the nation of Israel, but she had faith in God, amazing faith. And because of that, God took care of her and provided for her and gave her groceries all during the famine. God's own people, the Jews, had rejected God. They rejected his prophet during that time. So God went outside the bounds. And he reached out to a widow who was not Jewish, but was still faithful. Jesus told those in the synagogue, this is exactly what's happening here. Jesus' own people, the Jews, they did not believe in him. But the outsiders, they readily believed in him. Of a Roman centurion later on, Jesus would say, I've not found so great faith, not in all of Israel. Jesus' earthly ministry testified that his promises are not constrained only to one group of people. They are for all humanity. Because God's plan has always been bigger than just a select group. Even when he told Abram that he was going to make him a great nation, which would be the nation of the Jews, he told them that was so the Jews could be a light to the Gentiles. And on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, Peter declared that the promises of God were far greater than anybody had ever realized. They were for all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And yet Peter preached it, but he didn't even believe it, because later he struggled with the very idea that God would fill the Gentiles with the same Holy Spirit he filled the Jews. But finally, that truth hit him. When the Gentiles received the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they began to pray and praise God in another language that they had not yet learned, 
just like the Jews had on the day of Pentecost. And Peter said in Acts 10, of a truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's amazing. Peter almost allowed his cultural and religious biases and prejudices to keep him from being a part of one of the most significant salvation moments in all history, the glorious supernatural outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles. Let's not make that same mistake. Let's not let the limitations of our own thinking constrain God's work in our community, in our city. God wants to fill people with his spirit who do not look like us, act like us, talk like us, walk like us, are like us, are from the same area as us. God wants to fill people with his spirit who used to believe one thing but will soon believe who he is, who used to live one way but will soon live in a way to honor and glorify him. Let's not get in the way. Let's get to be a part of what God is doing. If we get in the way, God has no problem going out of bounds, going around our local church going around our community of faith to find another who's hungry for him and fill them with his spirit. Do you think this is still a struggle? Do you think people of faith still struggle to accept that God can choose to use somebody who does not look like, act like, talk like, walk like they do? Luke continued to tell the story and he contrasted the response of the people of Nazareth with what happened in the synagogue at Capernaum. Jesus' very next stop. Jesus left Nazareth. He said, fine, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. I'll go to Capernaum. And when he did, Jesus was given the opportunity not only to preach, but also to work miracles. The scripture even tells us that he could do no mighty work in Nazareth because they would not believe he was who he said he was. Some people are content just hearing the word of God. They were in Nazareth. Others Say, yeah, I want to hear his word, but I would love to see the promises God made. I'd love to see it fulfilled. And when he went to Capernaum, they did. Faith makes the difference. I don't want to just be satisfied hearing what God can do. I want to see him do it. But Isaiah prophesied this would happen. Isaiah 53, 3, Isaiah prophesied the Messiah would come and he would be despised and rejected of men, sadly, of his own people. And Jesus frequently faced rejection during his ministry from his own hometown, but he never allowed that to derail his ministry. Whether he was welcomed with open arms or he was thrown out of the city, Jesus continued to faithfully fulfill the call of God in his life, which was to preach the gospel, to teach, to save, to forgive, to deliver, to redeem, and he did it. Let's not base our sense of worth or value on whether people accept us. If we do, it will be an incredibly emotional roller coaster for the rest of our life. If we base our value on how many people like our post or how many people comment on it or retweet it or or share it or smiley face emoji or heart emoji or whatever, if we do that, we will face a roller coaster emotion all the way for the rest of our lives. Let's not fall into that trap. Let's listen to what Jesus has to say. I remember a few months ago, I was having my devotion, and in my devotion, the Lord dealt with me that if he says, well done, it doesn't matter who does not say well done, but if he does not say well done, it doesn't matter who does. All that matters is Jesus says well done. Our worth, our value, they come from him. Think about your own life, and what areas of life are you judging your self-worth by how people respond, whether they accept you 
or reject you? In what ways? Uh, let's wrap this up. There's a great story, and it's an oft-repeated story because it is such a great story, about a horse trainer named Monty Roberts. Monty was an itinerant horse trainer. He traveled from ranch to ranch. He never stayed in one place for long. Family struggled to make ends meet. It was a typical story. His future didn't look very bright. He couldn't stay in one school for long because his family kept relocating town to town. And when he was a senior in high school, a teacher asked him to write a paper about what he wanted to be when he was older. So he wrote a seven-page manuscript that described in great detail the ranch he planned to own one day, and he submitted his seven-page research paper, and he was shocked when he got it back, and there was a big red F on the top of the paper. Monty asked his teacher, why? Why'd I fail the grade? And the teacher responded, this dream is unrealistic for a boy in your situation. But the teacher gave him grace and said, tell you what, get your head out of the clouds, put your feet on the ground, rewrite your paper, and then I'll give you a better grade. So Monty took a few days to think about it. And finally, he went back to the teacher and said, I'll tell you what, you can keep your F, I'll keep my dream. And today, Monty Roberts is a highly successful horse trainer and the owner of a large ranch in California. You can, you can count on it. We will face doubt. We'll face rejection. People will not always like us or like the life we chose to live for the glory of God. And people may even count down the days or the weeks or the months that we will fail and we will fall on our face. And they'll say, I told you, I told you it wouldn't last. And sometimes they might be right that we will fall. But the question is not whether we fall. The question is whether we get back up. Really doesn't matter who believes in us. Doesn't matter who tells us well done. As long as he does. And if he tells us well done, it doesn't matter who does it. I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Today, we're going to deal with rejection, I'm sure. And so I want to pray and ask the Lord to help us. Whoever rejects us or whoever laughs at us or whoever doesn't accept us for whatever reason, as long as we're living out our faith, I want to pray that God would help us to listen for his voice and even if we have to, drown out all others. Lord, I thank you today that you have accepted us no matter who does and doesn't. Help us to live faithfully for you. Help us to walk faithfully with you. Help us, Jesus, to live our lives in a way that honor and please you and glorify you. Help us to make disciples for you. Help us not to be caught up with who accepts us or rejects us. As long as you accept us, Lord, that's all that really matters. I ask you today, Lord, use us for your glory. Use us to proclaim your great name to others around us, both in our life and through our words. I thank you today, Jesus. You are great and greatly to be praised. Help us to honor and glorify you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks, God's for Word for Life for listeners. Please be sure to click subscribe and share so you'll never miss an episode and nobody you love will ever have to miss an episode. You can share it with them and help them to be blessed by the Word of God every week. Typically, episodes drop on Mondays at noon Eastern time, so you won't miss an episode, and nobody else will have to either. So click subscribe, click share. I want to welcome all of our brand new God's Word for Life listeners. Welcome to the God's Word for Life family, and thank you to all of our loyal listeners who have been listening for some time. There are some great resources you can pick up at PentecostalPublishing.com. 
that will help you in your devotional life, in your walk of faith, and help you to make disciples of other people. You can share the, those truths and the power of God with them. Go to PentecostalPublishing.com. The link will be in the show notes, and you'll get some great resources, Bibles, devotionals, Bible studies, great resources. All that conveniently located at PentecostalPublishing.com. Next week's episode is dated February 20th, 2022, and it is the lesson entitled Choosing to Be a Disciple. We're going to take a look at Luke chapter 6, where Jesus started calling disciples to follow him. And we're going to follow that story next week. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you, and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.